Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Thing working? Welcome to this May the 24th rainy day or spring uh, Southern Alberta Council Public Affairs uh, event. Uh, we're very fortunate today to, to have a, uh, a speaker here who uh, is on a subject that you're all interested in. Uh, my name is Van Christou. I'm the moderator for today. And uh, I'll quickly get over some of the housekeeping that we have to do. Uh, we'd like everybody to turn off their cell phones. And uh, we'd like, if you will, choose a person at your table who is responsible for counting the money, the $10 that everybody will put in the basket for, for a nude to pick up a little later on. Um, otherwise, we should be able to move ahead. Um, I'd like to, uh, to thank our partners, the University of Lethbridge, who supports this program, and the Country Kitchen Catering, uh, who always provides us with a great lunch. Also, Shaw TV, who record this program and play it back um, on Sunday afternoon at 4.30. The media as well, the Lethbridge media, uh, are to be thanked as well for covering these events. Now, I'm particularly happy today to uh, introduce uh, our speaker. Usually, when you, bring it, when you introduce speakers, you're talking about an expert or an authority who's flown in a thousand miles. That's, that's usually the definition of, a, of, of an expert. Uh, in this instance, we, we have a person who was born and raised here in Lethbridge who's going to address us on this, on this important topic today. John Davies was born here in Lethbridge and grew up in our, on our street. There were 26 kids in our street, including our four, and his family of four, his brother, his sister, and, and two brothers. And these kids grew up together for 20 years where nobody moved away, so we've developed sort of an extended, an extended family. Uh, so it's a great pleasure to, to, uh, to be able to introduce him today. John went on after high school here to get his degree in electrical engineering as well as his MBA, a rare combination for, for an engineer to have, but a great background for a person to come back to his family business here in Lethbridge, the Lethbridge Ironworks, and to run it uh, so successfully all through these years. Uh, as At the present time, he's president and CEO, as well as a co-owner of the Lethbridge Ironworks. Um, I would like to, to mention here that, that, uh, that we're going to hear about a topic that uh, interests not only people in Lethbridge here and also in Alberta, but all of Alberta. It's been a hot topic for a long time. And John, who has done a great deal of work in this, as well as being the, uh, the secretary and treasurer of the IASA, the, uh, the Industrial Association of Southern Alberta, has put together this presentation today. Would you please welcome our speaker, John Davies, and warmly. I'll say thank you, Dr. Christu, because that's how I knew him when uh, he looked after my braces as a kid in town here. 
And I also see my old pediatrician in the middle of the audience here, too. So uh, I do have a long history here. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Uh, this is actually the second time I've been here. First time would have been about 11 or 12 years ago in the early throes of deregulation. And uh, if you had asked me then if we would still be talking about it um, 12 years later, I think I would have said no, but here we are. Uh, as Van mentioned, uh, Lethbridge Ironworks, we've been uh, in town here since 1898. Uh, fourth generation now, my nephew works for the company. Um, we have uh, always maintained Lethbridge as our home base and hope to do so going forward. Uh, one of the very, very important local input costs for us is the price of electricity. Uh, our company uses up to a quarter million dollars of electricity a month now. Uh, so any increases have a significant impact. Um, I was recently on a foundry tour in, a, in Pennsylvania, and they deregulated actually before Alberta did. And he was complaining about his cost of electricity, and I asked him what it was. He said, oh, it's over three cents a kilowatt hour now. I said, well, I'm, I've got a contract for 6.6 .6 cents, so I'm only paying twice as much. So then I asked him what his wire charges were. He said, oh, they're another three quarters of a cent. I said, well, I'm paying over three cents, so in that case I'm paying four times as much as you are. And those are the type of companies that we're trying to compete with nowadays. So before deregulation, we actually had a very efficient system here in Alberta. One of the, if not the lowest cost systems in North America. Uh, worked quite well. Unlike uh, some of the neighboring provinces, it was not debt supported at the government level. It was not government owned. It was owned by the utilities. And we had three main utilities uh, in those days who were involved in it. And uh, we didn't have any choices as customers. We dealt with who we dealt with in our region. But it was safe. It was economical. It was reliable. It was what you want electricity to be. You want it to just be there when you turn the light switch on. Then in the mid-'90s, the government started looking at the potential for deregulation. And the reason was, was we had those three players, but we didn't have a system in place that could allow for any other options or choices. So the concept of wind power was coming up, and there wasn't a, an easy way to uh, integrate that into the existing system. Uh, same was true of industries. We have large oil industries and, and natural gas-based industries in this province uh, that wanted to be able to generate their own electricity and actually sell some of it, and there wasn't a mechanism in place to do that. There was also the, the fact that Regulation had a cost in itself. All the arguments, all the lawyers, all the experts going to in front of the utilities board created uh, quite a nightmare. So, uh, you know, the, ideolo the ideology of competition being the best way to go is certainly one that uh, the government of Alberta had followed before, and, and they thought it was a good one to follow with electricity. In reality, though, our system wasn't broken. As I said, it was one of the best in North America. The goal was to make it better. They failed miserably, I guess would be the, the punchline to that. And uh, instead of figuring out how to tweak the system, they decided to, to rebuild it from the ground up. And these are uh, a couple of my favorite quotes. And I could read it to you, but basically the government was saying that at that time other jurisdictions were going to do this. They were going to deregulate. We need to maintain our Alberta advantage so we're going to be a leader in the concept of deregulation. We're going to do it our own way, and we're going to go forth with it. 
um, they believe that that would create a better system than we had before. So the hope was that with this legislation, we would indeed put downward pressure on electricity prices, okay? And we would enhance the Alberta advantage, make this an even better place to do business if you're a, a business that consumes electricity as a large input like we do at our company. And interestingly enough, before we sold the power plants, and to not get too technical, but we didn't actually sell the plants. What the government did was sold the output to the plants for a 20-year period back in 2000. Um, that auction failed miserably. Minister West himself had previously been quoted as saying it should net at least 2 to $4 billion. Um, they netted $1 billion in sales, and actually several major assets didn't sell, even at the uh, reserve price of negative a quarter billion dollars. So really, the net out of that sale to Albertans at that time was probably about a break-even. So immediately out of the gate, we lost about 2 to $4 billion uh, of money that we as Albertans had been paying the uh, electricity rates to, uh, to pay for those plants. And one of my, probably my most favorite quote, and the one I used the most, was the one from Minister Cardinal. There is no roadmap for this process. Minister Cardinal, I said back then, there should have been. You guys should have had one. Shooting from the hip on this was not a good idea. So what do we have now, 12 years later? <coughs> Excuse me. We have <coughs> generation and retail have been deregulated. Anyone who wants to can get into the business of generation. Um, retail has been deregulated. We'll talk a bit more about that later. Um, so you can choose your retailer. But the other half of the system, the transmission and the distribution, the wires component, that is still regulated. And where are we at? Well, costs are significantly higher than they were before. Our company paid about five cents, or well, actually less than five cents before deregulation, and we now pay about 12 cents. So that trying to understand it, I can have an electricity bill with about 12 lines on it, and I actually am in this business and try very hard to understand it. The costs go up. You have a month where you've used very little electricity, and yet you still have this big bill for all the other chargers. And it's really hard to argue against them and fight them when it, it's almost impossible to understand them. The new system does not promote the lowest cost solution. And what I mean by that is in the old regulated days, we looked at the overall picture. So the, the regulator, the utility board, said what's the lowest cost way all combined to get more electricity on the grid. That took into account the cost of wires and the cost of generation. Well, now, with the wires still being regulated, generation can be built wherever it wants to, and the wires will be built, no matter what, no matter the cost. So you're no longer coming to an economic best decision because you've got this hybrid system now. There is nothing in it, for example, to incent a company to locate closer to Calgary with their generation where the growing demand has been for electricity or for companies to, uh, that want to generate, say in the oil patch up north in Fort McMurray, there's no incentive to them to be closer to where the load is. There's no cost to them when the transmission gets built. 
So do you think they're in favor of all the new transmission lines, some of which are going to be run up to Fort McMurray? Sure. Most of those companies up there generate themselves and they have excess capacity and they want to sell it. And they want to sell it to the rest of us. And they get to do that with transmission lines that will be bought and paid for by the rest of us. So we don't have a system that makes any sense about locating your generation near your load. And the other thing that people don't think about when we all talk about being green nowadays, all those transmission lines, they're all lossy. Electricity is lost as it travels along them through resistance, heating, and power losses. The more of that you have, the more electricity you're wasting heating the air in Alberta. I guess keeping the birds' feet warm. <laughs> and where are we at? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> On choice? Very little. Retail choice is very limited, and we'll talk about that in a minute. I keep things for a long time sometimes, and this is one of them. Um, I'll, I don't expect you to be able to read that. I can't. And, uh, but I will tell you uh, the highlights of what it is. This is a document that was published back in, I believe, 1999 by the government. Kind of a sales brochure, I would call it. And it was telling us all the wonderful things that were going to happen over the next five years. And so what were those things? The small print on the first one said we were going to have a competitive, efficient, and innovative electricity marketplace. My opinion, no, no, and no. We're going to have new generators and many new service providers. Same old guys doing generation for the large projects. Very few new service providers. Be happy about that part so they're not knocking on your door all the time and phoning you every night while you're having supper, but it doesn't give you much choice. Informed consumers choosing from competitive, attractive options. Nope. Continued downward Pressure on rates? <laughs> Definitely no. Incentives for conservation and the wise use of energy? I haven't seen them. You know, people talked about smart meters and trying to put those in so people will use electricity better. None of that's come to pass. And remember, folks, this is 2005. Seven years ago, this was about all going to be in place by. Smart technologies and green power options that contribute to environmental goals. That is one place where Alberta is a leader, wind power. You know, boy, I drive west a lot, and, man, they just crop up all the time, more and more and more and more towers out there. That's a good thing. But I'm probably one of the few people who will ever speak publicly and tell you what's bad about wind because I'm an industry and I need power. The bad thing about wind is twofold. Number one, it only runs about 30% of the time. And what that means is all these transmission lines that get built and are very expensive, get utilized 30% of the time. You won't find a business that's going to buy an asset that they're only going to use it 30% of the time. There's no payback on that. So although the wind power is good, the costs have to go up substantially because we have to build a whole bunch of wires to move the electricity that's only used 30% of the time, unlike a coal plant where it's used close to 100% of the time. The other bad thing about wind is it doesn't blow when it's minus 40, and it doesn't blow when it's plus 40. I drive by those things when I go skiing in the winter, and they're not moving. And yet the times when we need the most electricity in the province is when it's minus 40, and everybody's got their heaters on and their block heaters, and they've got their stove going, and when it's plus 40 and all the air conditioning in the province is on. So you build all this wind, 
And unfortunately, what you do in a deregulated market is you make it so nobody else wants to build generation in Alberta. Because if I go to my board of directors and say, hey, I want to build a gas-fired power plant in Alberta, but there's just one little problem. I can only run it 70% of the time. Because the other 30% of the time, the wind's blowing, and they bid into the pool at zero, so they're going to be selling power. So, Mr. Board of Directors, we won't be able to sell then. Their answer is, find somewhere to build it where we can use it all the time. So wind has a place, and in fact would have been much more easy to incorporate in a regulated market than in a deregulated market. It's wonderful to have, but if we're all there sitting in our living room in our underwear, sweating to death when it's plus 40, and freezing to death when it's minus 40, that's when it's not such a good thing. Where are we at in generation? Still very few players. The same folks that you hear of before are the ones in play now, NMAX and uh, TransCanada and TransAlta and EPCOR. Um, generation? Well, we've had market power uh, being exercised by Enron manipulating our market in the early 2000s, and what was it, within the last year, we had a little news thing about TransAlta, and I believe they figured it was somewhere in the order of, I can't remember if it was $100 million or what, that consumers had paid for more, and I believe they got a several hundred thousand dollar fine out of that, or a million dollar fine. So, And that's Transalta, a very respected company. If the opportunity is there to make those excess profits, don't kid yourself. that they Now, they weren't doing anything per se illegal. You, know, you have to keep making new rules all the time, and they still make new rules all the time to try to prevent the activities. They find a loophole, they jump in it. The PPAs were the sale of the power plants back in 2000. You couldn't really, the government couldn't force Transalta to sell its assets, so they came up with this way to sell the output power. Transalta still owns them, Transalta still runs them, Transalta gets paid to run them, but other companies bought the rights to sell that power. Okay? And those were to last as long as the plant did, or 20 years, because in the government's belief, and then by 20 years from now, we'll have so much competition, it won't matter if TransAlta owns half the market. Well, here we are, 12 out of those 20 years. That competition hasn't come, and in about eight more years, you're going to see these power plants revert back to their original owners, and you're going to see some companies in this province that have a tremendous amount of market power that they could um, use if they ch chose to in the province. Where are we at on the wires now? Well, the wires are, we're now being told, require major, major capital investment in this province. Um, we're building two 500-kilovolt DC lines in Alberta, two separate ones. Um, a lot of uh, transmission uh, in the south and actually a lot of transmission uh, up to Fort McMurray area. Um, billions and billions and billions of dollars are being spent. When consumers have done studies and said, hey, we don't need all that and we don't need all that right now, unfortunately, consumers don't tend to carry a lot of weight with the government, and these projects are being built. So what we're going to see is uh, wires cost probably triple in the next 10 years. Okay? Uh, our bill here at Lethbridge Ironworks for the wires portion only went up by about 25% this year, 20, or sorry, by about 20%. 25% due to uh, the transmission costs and another 12 to 15% due to the city's costs going up. Those are just unsustainable. You just 
you can't keep raising rates by 10 and 20% every year and expect that businesses can continue to operate in Alberta. If your business is Safeway, you can operate. Because I don't know about you, but I'm not driving to Saskatchewan to pick up milk. But don't kid yourself that Safeway has to pass on those costs of keeping those freezers running and the costs of keeping the lights on. So it drives up prices for everybody here, all consumers, not just for industries that use power. Government continues to meddle. And we had an incident several years ago where uh, um, I believe it was the ISO had sent spies to meetings across the province about the new transmission line. And when the utilities board heard that, they said that the process has failed. You have to start all over again. And the government stepped in and mandated that they would be built. And at the same time, took away a lot of the historic property rights in a sense of the ability to argue against that. So if you're a farmer with a family farm for 120 years and they want to build the transmission lines through it, the government was nice enough to make it far more difficult for you to stand up for your own rights and prevent that. Because, again, it had been left too long, hadn't been done properly. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I try to invest my money safely right now with someone like Mr. Anderson, I don't get very much for it. A percent, a couple percent, long-term government bonds at 3%. That's pretty low. But hey, you know what the regulated rate of return is right now if you're building wires? 8.75%. They might try to tell you that's not a guaranteed rate, but it is. Every year we set the rates to collect the money from Albertans to turn it over to them. That's about as guaranteed as it can be. Personally, I'd like a little piece of that action. 9%. That's another cost we're still paying. And as you all know, when you look at your bills... Wow, it's hard to even understand what's on there. There's rebates for this and surcharges for that and balancing pool charges and the municipal consent and access fee, which is uh, an additional 30% of the wires charges that the city takes for uh, relief of taxation. Um, it's very complex. It's very confusing. 10, 12 years ago, I got many phone calls every day. Now I still get the odd one. Uh, I don't tend to have strangers calling me anymore, but I still have friends asking me, you know, what do I do? Should I sign? Shouldn't I sign? Here we are 12 years later, and the education component for consumers failed miserably. So where are we at on retail? Well, that was one of the big promises, was that we were going to have competition, you know, just like everything else. They're going to be knocking at your door, trying to get your business, driving down prices, coming up with innovative solutions that will make you happy. Didn't happen. The main player in the province is NMAX. Even EPCOR in the early days was in there and they just said, this isn't worth it, and they got it. So if you think, boy, I haven't done it and I shouldn't have and I'm the only one left, no, 70% still haven't done it. It's a tough decision to make when you don't can't possibly understand what you're getting. It's almost like, let's make a deal. You know, I'll take behind door number three, Monty. Let's see what we got. You know, so people don't make the decisions. As such, we end up with some very high-priced months here. You know, there was, uh, during the, I guess before the election, uh, Brian Mason was talking about 18-cent power, and I believe I wrote a letter to the editor after the guy from NMAX wrote one in saying, well, that's not true. Well, it was very true. Well, that is what people paid that month. That's what I paid that month. I know how to read my bill. So the impact, as I said, for our business has been power going from $0.05 cents to $0.12, cents, two and a half times what it was. 
And you know what? We've got more increases coming. There's still concerns about brownouts. In order for citizens to not hear about it, the city of Lethbridge has a uh, program in place where they call people like me and ask me to go offline. They've called industries together and say, hey, please, can you help us? And you know what? Most of us have said yes. When the time comes, we'll help. Probably should say no, so maybe the developments will come and the general public will actually know what's going on behind the scenes. There has been a tremendous transfer of wealth through this process. And someone in the audience just brought up this article to me. Thank you. And you'll like the line at the start. We've paid more than $20 billion too much over the last 12 years now. That's an awful lot of pocket change that's in the wrong pockets. We still have a lack of investment in generation. They are not really coming to Alberta. We have the same players doing the same things. And in fact, what you're seeing now and what you'll continue to see is industries will move off the grid. And I even include ourselves in that. I'm getting quotes right now for switching to self-generation. And I'm doing that to control my costs. These transmission increases coming down, you can't plan a business when you don't know what's coming at you and when you have no say in it and something is taken completely out of your control and that's where electricity has gone in Alberta. I talked to a friend of mine at a major um, oil and gas company in Alberta and she said it's their corporate goal to get everything they have off the grid to where they're just doing it themselves because there's still that lack of confidence in what's happening in Alberta. So we don't have confidence over generation still. We had a couple of plants go into a force majeure situation last year that uh, have now been taken off the grid and well in advance of their expected life. That's in the courts right now. Um, we actually have cheap natural gas right now, really cheap. And in order to use gas to uh, generate electricity, it's about a 10 to 1. So $3 gas can generate about $30 electricity. But what we're seeing right now, and you'll see in a slide, is that the forward prices on gas are quite low, and the forward prices on electricity are 20-plus times as high as that. So this build-it-and-they-will-come mentality hasn't come to pass. Solutions? I think customers have been so left out of this process and so not listened to by the government that it's time they should be. You know, if you're going to spend billions and billions on wires for the people in this province. You ought to at least give us an option to say whether we want them or not. Tell us clearly what the risks are if we only spend half as much and let us make the decision as to whether we're willing to have our lights off for two minutes every year. I am. You know, to what degree do we need to have it being a perfect system? We don't have lower overall costs, and that's what we need to look at now. We've got a disjoint between wires and generation. There's no coordination in the overall cost that we're paying. The new transmission development could definitely be staged, brought in over a period of time, potentially with lower cost solutions, definitely with a bidding process, not an automatic assignment to the, to the people who build them. I mean, I follow the projects. If they're quoted at $250 million, the day before they start building, it's 500, and when they're finished, it's 750 to a billion. Every time. That doesn't work in the rest of industry. So I think we really need to think outside the box in this province. 
you know, I got calls from the NDP around election time, and you know, they're talking about re-regulating. Wow, we used to be a burden to regulate three companies. There's probably three to six dozen that generate in the province now. Very hard to put the genie back in the bottle. Well, that doesn't mean that you can't think of a better solution. Thank you.